Welcome back to another episode of the Inquisitive Mamba podcast. This is episode 68. I hope everyone is having a great week. Almost Friday. Not a lot of not a lot going on in sports right now. It's a very dry uh, time for sports. Baseball, hockey finished up, NBA finished up, Summer League just finished, but that's not the point. Tonight's guest on tonight's show is Alex Martin, a very dear friend of mine who is a sports reporter in Southwest Florida to get your all your Southwest Florida sports news. This is the guy. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, NP underscore Alex Martin. Alex, it's a pleasure to have you on tonight's show. Awesome. You know, great to be here. You know, it's, uh, you know, I've been listening to the pod lately and, you know, it's just fun to talk sports and everything. You know, I don't get a lot of chances to do stuff like this. Um, so it's always fun to just be able to catch up and, you know, be able to share my story a little bit. Yeah, most definitely. So I really want to introduce you. Uh, you've had by, bylines in the Washington Post, the Miami Herald, the Orlando Sentinel, Naples Daily News, Naples News Press. So before we do get into the show and kind of, you know, hear more about your background and what you do in your daily life, you know, how, how have you been? Uh, how was Key West? I know you, you're very busy. You're traveling a lot. You're breaking stories like crazy. So how have you been? Yeah, Key West is good. Uh, you know, let's just say it did a number on me. There's stuff that, you know, happened down there that it's obviously not uh, <laughs> going to be talked about on pod. Um, but, you know, it was good. A great, you know, R&R type trip just to, you know, get away one more time before, you know, this all kicks back up again in August for us here. And, um, you know, that's that's basically my last trip before, you know, it's going to get back in full swing. And, you know, it kind of already is, you know, the second half of July is when, you know, we really start looking ahead um, to the fall and, and planning and all this sorts of stuff that we do behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Key West is good. Went down there um, with a friend and his fiance and then two other buddies. So it was the five of us just really uh, taking in the weather down there, enjoying it and, uh, you know, just spending a long weekend down in the Keys. Most definitely. So I'm a big food guy. I love to explore new, new food places all the time. What was a food spot that you tried in Key West that you have never had before or something you can put on the map for people when this gets out to social media? So throw a place out there. Um, yeah, there were some places. Um, obviously, you know, if you go down to the Key West, the place to go is Sloppy Joe's. It, has, it always has been. It always will be, you know, right on the heart of Duval Street, right in the kind of the thick of things. Um, you know, that was some good food. Um, we also checked out Fogarty's, uh, not far, still not still on Duval Street, but, um, you know, another good spot. And then uh, Two Friends, which isn't that far away either. So, I mean, there's some good little joints there um, that were good. I mean, we didn't come across like a bad place where we're like, oh, you know, we're not going to go back there again, or we wouldn't go back there. Yeah. Um, you know, everything was kind of unique in its own way. The food was good. Um, the vibes were pretty much immaculate and you know it was just uh all in all a fun time and you know the food <laughs> it was good man conquerors are good for sure for sure i'm glad you had a great down down downtime in key west little downtime for you enjoying the time with some friends getting to see the beautiful weather down there it is very hot in florida right now oh. but still still oh. always a, a great time to be down in key west little little uh vacation there for you so I want to get into the show. I want to start start off by asking you, you know, what is your daily life as a sports reporter working for the Naples Daily News, working for the Naples News Press? Because you break so many stories, whether it's in Southwest Florida or another story comes in from Texas or California or New York. You know, how does that work for you uh, and your daily life? 
Look, it's honestly um, pretty interesting because, you know, some people think I work a nine to five. In some cases, that is true. Sometimes I'm busy from nine to five doing pre-planned stuff. But when it's slow for us, it's basically an on-call type thing. So I might be just around the house doing nothing if I know that there's not much going on and then something breaks at 1.30 or 2 o'clock and it's like you're you're on it, you know, just like that. And, um, you know, that that's one, you know, one of the things, you know, it, it often gets looked at as, you know, it, you're working pretty much eight hours a day. That's not the case um, a lot of the time. And, you know, sometimes I'm working on my own schedule. Some days I'm not even working and I'm just putting my work off until 10 o'clock at night. Um, in part intentionally, because that's when I operate better under planned circumstances, doing features, doing lists, those types of things. So sometimes I'll work late just because I feel like I put out better content um, when I'm just basically by myself. Um, but yeah, it really is interesting because we're all different. You know, there's coworkers of mine that have different preferences and how they, when they get their stuff done and how they go about their own business. Um, so it really, you know, it can vary from reporter to reporter. Um, you know, not every department could get away with what I'm doing, obviously breaking news. That's obviously a non-starter. You can't just sit on things until 10 o'clock at night and then do them. It's, you know, you're on it with the snap of a finger basically. Um, but you know, it just depends really on the reporter. Um, you know, right now during the summer, that's kind of where it applies most. Um, football is kind of a set schedule. Um, you know, early on in the week, you have to have stuff done by Wednesday. Um, you know, and our podcast has to be up by Wednesday. Um, but, you know, Thursday, Friday, you know, Friday, you're not working until five o'clock. You know, Friday, you're not doing anything during the day unless it's something really serious warrants, you know, you working before that. Um, so it's basically, you know, it's for the most part, it's a set schedule during the fall, but it, it really is, uh, you know, it can vary from week to week. I'm so glad you brought that up and, and you mentioned that kind of your daily life and, you know, what really goes into it. But, you know, how do you find your balance as a sports reporter, but also living your life as a young individual in Florida who just graduated not too long ago from FGCU, but just finding that balance? Like, how do you find that as an individual in this world? Because sports can be so toxic, you know, toxic, can very, you know, take a, a toll on your life so you don't burn out. So, like, how do you balance in between sports and your personal life? Yeah, it really is a good question. Um, you know, I don't know how I do it, quite frankly. Um, there are times where I like I question myself and how am I doing this? Um, yeah. But you know, it's just it's it's all about having a balance, and that you know that includes playing pickleball with friends or doing you know just walking around the neighborhood or going to a park and just walking around and just basically reflecting and you know just yeah. kind of not doing much of anything. Um, you know, you're just kind of just looking around, listening to music. You know, just a lot of that sort of stuff is it really helps, um, you know, reflection matters and then just thinking about things. And um, that's really how I get by in my daily life. And, um, you know, I'm not the same for everybody. I'm obviously a little different than the average person and whatnot. So maybe, the, you know, they won't be able to relate to this as much. But, you know, that's just some of the things that help me get by. Um, and it really is healthy. You know, going out on the weekends helps too. just because you are looking forward to the weekend at the beginning of the week. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think that, I think that's pretty relatable for all yeah. of us, our age, you know, you, you look forward to the weekend on Monday and Tuesday and, and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it, I, I love it. You know, I love my job. I've been in it for 
four and a half years now. It's crazy to think that, but yeah. Um, no, maintaining the balance has been huge. You know, I, I'd be remiss to say if I didn't burn out because I have before. And, you know, that's something that's happened in the past. And, you know, with that comes, you know, some days off and taking time, PTO. And, you know, I have the luxury of having a pretty good, you know, benefits on all that stuff. So, um, you know, taking PTO matters, man. It really does. And, you know, it just helps me get my mind cleared out and, you know, especially at, you know, there's times where with winter sports overlap and spring sports overlap, there's the seasons overlap here and there. And that's when it's really hectic for us. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it's so important for people our age, especially just graduating college, young professionals finding their way in this world to find that healthy balance in their life, because you want to be the guy at work. You want to be the corporate rat or you work for, working for this company and you're trying to be, you know, the guy or the girl, you're just trying to be the it person. You know, I want to say later, I want to do this. I want to do that. But you also have to find a healthy balance in between because you're going to burn yourself out. You're only one person. I try to tell people this on a daily basis. They ask me questions, they ask for advice. I'm like, we're just this little microscopic thing on earth. We're just, you know, floating around. We're yeah. doing our thing. You can only do so much. We're just this little microscopic thing. It, it takes time. Don't beat yourself up. Try to stay yeah. humble. Try to, you know, stay the course. Look in front of you. Don't look on the side. Don't look left. Don't look right. Just keep yeah. going in front of you, you know? Burning out, it's it's a thing. It's a real thing. People don't understand that. And I really, really think about that throughout my daily life because we do so many different things. You work in sports. You know, you're around it so much. You're tweeting. You're making stories. You're breaking headlines. People don't really realize that. They think it's just oh, you're just, you're tweeting or no, it go, there's so much more that goes into yeah. it. Everyone has, you know, everyone has a different story, but I really appreciate you saying that because it's so easy to burn out these days. Life is life, man. Yeah. There's going to be so many obstacles and things that hit you in so many different directions, but it's just having a clear head, knowing what's in front of you. And I remember I made the clip actually recently last week about focusing on the present and stop focusing so much on yeah. the past. Kind of like what you said, I'm not worried about, you know, the story I broke last week, if I, if it wasn't the best story that I focused on, I want to make the next one better. Don't beat yourself up, you know? So exactly. I'm glad you shared it, that too. So it, yeah. Yeah. And, and with that, I mean, there's sacrifices that are, that have to be made. And, and, you know, I hate yeah. admitting this publicly, but there's some people that have been in my life for a while that have kind of faded out of it. And that's yeah. just the way stuff is sometimes. And it's just, you know, at the end of the day, your income matters more, I think, than, you know, your social life is you're always going to be around people, regardless yeah. of what you're in, you're always going to be around people who, whether it's coworkers, whether it's close friends, you're going to have one or the other or both. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I've, I'm at. I've had this, you know, I just haven't talked to some close friends in a while that were close five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, so it's more so like, you know, that they kind of know what I'm doing right? Um, on a day-to-day -day basis. And some of them understand, some of them don't, and that's completely fine. Um, but, you know, sacrifices have had to be made over the last five, six years, um, you know, but that comes with us being teens and, and getting yep. into our 20s and whatnot. It's just, I think it's a part of everybody's life. And, you know, whether or not they realize it, you know, that's, that's one thing. But, um, you know, I think it exists for all of us at some point. Alex, I think you can definitely relate to this one here. Stop caring what other people think of you. 
Stop focusing on what's going on over there. What's going on here. It it goes back to what I was just saying, the left and the right. Stop focusing so much on everyone else, what they, what they think of you. It doesn't matter what you're doing makes you happy. You post your tweets, you post your Instagram stuff. That's what makes you happy. You're not posting irrational stuff. You're doing your job. You're doing what you love. And I think the more you do that, the more people will see really, man, this person is super passionate about what they do. Yeah, they may post a lot. And yeah, I guess I can, you know, fall for this one here, but you tweet so much. And that's your job, you know, but that's what makes you it makes you unique. NP underscore Alex Martin, a little little Twitter plug there. But no, the point is, is do what makes you happy. And everything else will fall into place. It may take time, it's going to take time. It's not going to come overnight. I try to tell people this too. I actually had a person asked me at work. They're like, I don't know what I'm doing in my daily life. I'm trying to figure everything out. I'm trying to become a better person. I'm like one day at a time, you can only do so much. It's, it's just, we're just simple human beings, you know? So I really appreciate you do you saying that because it's super important and you're going to lose friends. The the more you get into your craft, the more you get into your profession, those people, they're not your true friends. You know, they're not, they don't really there's only a few people I think you can really count on in life, whether it's your parents, of course, they're going to be your backbone. If you have a good relationship with them. And secondly, you may have one or two close friends and the person that you confide in that is your best friend would probably be your best man at your wedding or shit. I'm drawing a blank for for girls for, uh, what is it? Not bridesmaid, um, best. No, it's not best woman. Yeah, but I'm drawing a blank. But anyways, the point is, is people that are in your life are the important ones that you can really count on. There may be one or two people and that's about it. But like you said, your circle gets smaller and smaller as you get older and you really kind of summed it up there. Yeah, and you brought up something great. I used in high school. I used to be very conscious of what people thought of me. Now I I, I could care less. I don't give a yeah. shit. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I just I've grown into that mold where I don't care what people think of me. No, because I'm such a pub because I'm such a public figure. There's so many people that have an opinion on me now, good or bad. You know, that, yeah. that that's fine. They're entitled to that. But yep. you just gotta you know you just gotta learn to stop caring at some point because yep. there's always gonna be people on one side of the coin there's me people on the other side of the coin whether it's (laughs) the good side or the bad side you know that's just the way it is now and i've just learned like don't you don't have to care what every single last person thinks of you like it doesn't matter what it it just doesn't matter man and that's something that i've really um adopted over these last couple years since getting out of high school and getting into college and all that stuff I think there's only so much time in a day because most people work eight hours. Yeah. You work, let's say nine to five, you have your beginning time before you start work and then you have your after time, you have your downtime. Like you said, whether you want to go on a walk, whether you want to go to the gym, whether you just want to binge at Netflix, you know, Hey, maybe watch, you know, quarterback on Netflix, but <laughs> we're going to get into that. But no, I think so many people forget that there is that healthy balance, you know? And I just think it's super important to really take that time. And, you know, I respect more people that post their craft and are passionate about what they're trying to do, because then I see, I really like that person. You know, I may swipe up on their story or I may send them a message and go, man, I love what you're doing. I may not really know that person that well. There's people on Instagram that I've never met in my life, but I hype them up just in their comment section from people that I've, you know, talked to throughout Instagram. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. They're posting their brand deals. They're posting this and yeah. Okay. You could say that's networking, but I'm also trying to spread positivity in their life. Just like you, I 
throw up a throw a comment on your story or your Instagram yeah. post. I don't talk to you every single day, but I respect no. with what you're doing in your daily life because I know you're busy as hell. I know what your purpose is. I know what you're trying to do. And I think that's what makes it so important. We're not going to talk every single day. I think like, as you said, as we get older, it's just the way it is. It's the way of life. It's the way the cookie crumbles, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. No, I couldn't agree more with that. So I do want to ask you this. What kind of advice do you have for anybody, you know, wanting to work in the sports business as sports marketing, sports media, maybe as a sports reporter? Like what kind of advice would you have? Because it's not easy business to get into. And you've seen recently where I feel like, and you may have a different opinion opinion on this, but I feel like sports media is going into clips and short form and short film. A lot of the story breaking is not as much as it used to be. I feel like it's taken a, you know, taking a toll and it's, you know, slipping down the slide as faster than we can think because of, you know, print, I feel like is going out the window and it's more short form. You see a lot of TikTok, you see a lot of Twitter. So what are your thoughts, you know, on that at least? Yeah. And I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head um, because ESPN just had massive layoffs with, uh, with Jalen Rose, Jeff Van Gundy, yeah. uh, um, uh, Susie Culver, a lot of prominent um, personalities on ESPN got let go. And that's, that's, you know, kind of where we go to for news, you know, yeah. more often than not, we go to ESPN and all that stuff. And, you know, the athletic, which, um, you know, the athletics kind of going through some stuff with the New York times and, and they're facing cuts too. Um, you know, as, as someone who kind of got into this industry in a very unorthodox way, I, I think, you know, you have to adapt. And then, you know, the number one piece of advice I've always given to a prospective journalist, whether it's in sports or elsewhere, is adapt or die. You know, today's day and age, you are going to have to adapt to the times. You're going to have to get acclimated with change frequently, or you're just not going to last, and you're going to be searching for a new career after two or three years. Um, you know, it, it really, you know, when you're working in a business like the newspaper industry and journalism and whatnot, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. And, yeah. you know, behind the scenes, structurally, company structure, all that stuff. Um, and, and I've seen it firsthand, having been at the paper for four and a half years, just with the way things have changed at Gannett, um, you know, structurally from top down um, with the merger we had uh, back in 2019 or 2020. Um, you know, a lot has gone down. Um, but, you know, the number one piece of advice I would give you know, is adapt or die is I've had to adapt so many different ways um, to keep up, you know, some of it overwhelming, some of it not, you know, it's nothing like not every instance or situation is crazy. You know, it's just basically OJT in a sense on the job training and, you know, just kind of getting <laughs> acclimated to new things, um, which is completely fine. I mean, I think, you know, working in an industry, you always want to be learning. You always want to be learning new things to perfect your craft and all those, you know, all the things around it. But, but um, you know, that's probably the piece of advice I would give. No, I like that a lot. And my next question for you is, is what is the biggest story that you've ever broken? Because there's been a lot of Southwest Florida news. I mean, we've had a lot of notable, you know, athletes from there and baseball is starting to really pick up. I mean, in previous years, you know, Vero is very good at baseball, but I see your Twitter. I saw yeah. your Twitter and a lot of stories have broken. And there's been a lot of players that have come out of Southwest Florida. I mean, some notable names we know of Dion, Sammy Watkins, Noel Devine. He had a very, you know, short window in the NFL. Uh, we had Devin Moore from Naples, who you covered uh, yeah. briefly. 
you know, there's been a lot of players. So what has been your biggest story that you've ever broken or something you've been around that you're just like, wow. This, this is a tough one. Um, but if I had to pick one, it's because I was the one who got the scoop and I was the one who got the exclusive with it. Um, you know, obviously Dion gets hired by Colorado back in, I think it was December, maybe November, you know, one or the other, he was hired at the end of last year. Yeah. And, um, obviously Dion's got local ties here and everything. And so we're kind of keeping an eye on is anybody locally, you know, who knows him going to be on the move with them. Yeah. Sure enough. I get a call. I think it was the day after Christmas, I think, <laughs> um, from James Chaney. Uh, the former head coach at Lehigh. Yes. And he tell he tells me, you know, I'm out in Boulder now. And I'm like, okay. You know, it's <laughs> like this it's obviously when Dion was hired, there was a lot of hype around it. And there was a lot of media coverage around it because he just got his first power five coaching gig and everything. And kind of sitting on that story, you know, I think I sat on it for a day and then went to work. I kind of let um, you know, the holiday get by. Um, and then I broke that story, kind of just being able to have that scoop. You know, I'd probably say that that was my biggest breaking news story. Um, there was obviously another one um, kind of happened last year. It was regarding a baseball coach getting fired um, for a lot of interesting things. Um, you know, whether he should have been let go or not, you know, that's up for debate and it probably still will be to this day. But, um, you know, picking one, I think just because of the exclusivity of it, me breaking it as a new coach on Dion staff and being a longtime personal friend and teammate of his, uh, um, I think that was probably the one that's going to stick with me for a while. So when Cheney called you on the phone, you held that story for a day to yourself? I, I I held it. I told my boss about it, and and we made the decision. Look, it's the day after Christmas. Yeah. You know, let people enjoy the holiday, basically, and then let's break it the next day. So I think we. Wow. I want to say we broke it on the twenty seventh. My my timeline is, um, you know, not the best. So yeah. my dates might be wrong, but I know that we. I know I sat on it for a day and didn't, you know, didn't type anything on it or didn't break it that day. Um, but obviously, you know, that, that, that formula doesn't work, uh, you know, at the higher levels and whatnot, you could be sitting in bed at 11 o'clock and, and, you know, <laughs> Woj, get, Woj gets a text from somebody saying, you know, Dame get Dame's going to the heat or, or something like that. Right. Um, right. But you no, know, yeah. So we, we, I sat on it for a day and, um, you know, page view wise, it was a very popular story. Um, people were very interested in Colorado at the time, just because of Dion and, and all that, all that sort of stuff. So I think that's the one, you know, that'll stick with me at least for now until the next story breaks, obviously. Yeah. So I remember last year on national signing day, if I'm correct, you were there when Devin Moore committed to Florida. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I was there, you know, it was Notre Dame and Florida at that point. Yeah. And Billy Napier was there. Nick Saban was there. Dabo Sweeney was there. Correct. Uh, so, so yeah. So what happened there, you, you're talking about two different players. Um, Devin Moore, his decision was between Florida and Notre Dame. Yeah. And then Richard Young had this whole frenzy of coaches come in. Yeah. Ryan Day, Ryan Day and Saban came in the day before we were there. That we saw Dabo Napier and um, uh, Kirby Smart. Yes. Uh, from Georgia. 
So we we kind of got video and footage of them checking out Lehigh. We got photos, um, some pretty good ones from our photographer, Andrew West. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of a pretty hectic day. I've never been a part of something like that. And we, we never really, you know, we don't get tipped on things like that. But, you know, right. when I got told that a helicopter was coming in, I'm like, yeah, this is probably something we should be at if they're hinting to us that there's going to be a helicopter. Like, you know, there's nothing saying that we can't be there. So, you know, we got a photographer and me, and, you know, it's kind of crazy because because uh, I think it was before everybody kind of came through, we got into um, the room where Cheney and Richard and all them were, and I actually did my interviews right then and there before all the coaches came through and all that. Um, so that was definitely one of the more unique days that I've kind of been a part of, but, um, Devin Moore. Yeah. I mean, that was, um, signing day 2021. This would have been December of 21. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had to pre-write two different stories basically. So we had something up right when he put the hat on. So I have my Notre Dame story. I have my Notre Dame story ready and I have my Florida story ready. And then once I texted my boss saying Florida, that thing went up immediately you know, I updated it with quotes afterwards and um, we went about our business there. So, you know, that's the type of stuff that we talk about that we do behind the scenes. Like there's a lot of stuff that I have pre-written in our system that may never see the light of day, but right. it's stuff that has to be considered, obviously. It's like little, little, it's like Lil Uzi when he said he has so many albums and songs in the archives. Like, all these artists say, I have so many stuff, I have so many songs in the archives. It's like you do, you have so many stories in the archives that you don't know if you're going to post or not. And you're like, I want to post this, I want to post this, but uh, it's not, it's not going to happen. Or, oh, this guy's going there. No, he's not. I can't post it. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, my last question for you is, is before we get into the next part of the show, where do you see Southwest Florida sports going in the next few years? Is it trending up or is it staying where it is? Or do you think it's trending down or what, what are your thoughts on the whole Southwest Florida uh, sports community as a whole? I think it's definitely in a position on the upward trajectory, just because of the number of people that are starting that continue to move here and whatnot. Um, you know, it's, it's had population growth since, you know, since the foreclosure crisis, um, you know, it's had pretty steady growth, not a lot of drop off. I think we're going to probably be up to a million people by the end of the decade, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, just in Lee County, I know in the Southwest Florida area, we've already eclipsed that number. Um, but you know, with more people comes, you know, more families, more kids, um, you know, the world's just going to keep, you know, increasing population wise, um, you know, Florida is going to keep growing, I imagine, um, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to compete with the big metros and, and, you know, to say Fort Myers and Naples is growing. I mean, same thing with Tampa, same thing with Lauderdale, same thing with Miami, um, same thing with Palm Beach. Um, but I definitely would say, you know, over the years that, the talent gap has shrunk a little bit. I think it's definitely kind of getting closer, but it's still, you know, in favor of the big metros and whatnot. But I've seen on multiple occasions that progress has been made. Um, you know, specifically, I think um, Naples baseball this past year would be a great example. Um, you know, they have the luxury of having a pretty, pretty talented left-handed pitcher by the name of Johnny King, um, mm-hmm. who, 
you know, he faced uh, Stoneman Douglas, who, you know, if you know high school baseball, is they're the program in Florida. You know, I forget IMG, but Stoneman is the real deal. Um, yeah. And he struck out 10 guys over four and a third innings, two hits, wow. two walks. And to do that against a program like that was unheard of. Yeah. Um, you know, and they only lost, I think it was two nothing. Um, you know, when Stoneman was blowing out teams left and right, I think they mercy ruled their opponent in the state title game. Um, but, you know, I, multiple occasions, uh, you know, baseball, it's never really been, you know, an issue with the talent gap. Baseball is one of the rare exceptions. Softball, yeah, I guess. Um, volleyball, you know, I, I think it just depends on who you're playing. Um, there's some schools around here that can compete uh, statewide. And, I, you know, Seacrest Country Day and Baron Collier this past season could compete with anybody across the state, I think, uh, yeah. as well as Canterbury. Um, but it, it honestly depends on sport by sport. I think you kind of see it exploited a little bit in basketball um, and football in some areas. Um, but, you know, I think as a whole, you know, when you look at just high school sports in general, I think it's a closer than what a lot of people may think. No, I, I agree. And I think it is trending upwards after what you just had to say, especially baseball. I feel like there's a lot of players coming out of Southwest yeah. Florida, especially a lot of these private schools are recruiting these players. And like you said, IMG has been, you know, the juggernaut for years, but it seems like a lot of these smaller private schools are making waves and they're making a name for themselves, especially with what they have to offer in the state of Florida, their campus, what else, you know? So yeah. I think that's a, a good way to end that part of the show. So the next part of the show, NFL, NBA, and MLB, nothing really going on in college football other than yeah. you know, Caleb, Caleb Williams, if you want to, you know, but there's not a whole lot going on in college football. I mean, Lane Kiffin got mad about <clears throat> NIL and <laughs> not, not a whole lot going on in college football from what I've seen. It's very dry right now, but next month we do have some college football. So I did want to talk about the NFL running backs what the hell is going on with this running back thing? It, it it blows my mind because actually a few months ago when I was recording an episode of the pod, we were talking, Max Adams and I, you know, Max Adams, we were talking yeah. about running backs and we had two different opinions. He said running backs should not be paid. I said running backs should be, but I think there's a middle ground there. I think it, it, I hate bringing up politics, but I think, you know, Republicans and Democrats, they have their own things. I don't like this. I don't like that. But middle ground you've got to meet in the middle somewhere especially for the giants with saquon barkley i don't think the giants would be relevant if saquon barkley wasn't on the giants if yeah. they would just had another also ran running back like if they want to go into the season with this random running back room they drafted what eric gray out of oklahoma i don't even know who else they have i think i don't even know if they still have matt breed I, it doesn't even matter the point is is you have to pay saquon barkley you got to come to some sort of agreement i know the new gm and joe shane is trying to play hardball here and the new coach, Dable, they're, you know, they're trying to play hardball, but I think they're a six, seven win team without Saquon Barkley. Am I, am I wrong? Am, am I missing something? Because I, I just really think the giants need to come to some sort of agreement because it just no. seems like Saquon potentially will hold out. Yeah. No, not at all. It's funny. You mentioned Max Adams. I actually saw him this past weekend. That's my guy. That's my guy right there, man. I always had a show love with my boy, Max. <laughs> Um, but yeah, get into the Saquon question. I think, you know, I have my personal list of running backs that I would pay right now and which ones I've let walk. Um, yeah. that list is going to be different for everybody, but Saquon, you, you have to pay Saquon, especially after the year the Giants just had, 
in Brian Dayball's first year, um, you know, making the postseason. I think they posted double-digit wins, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, for New York sports fans, that's <laughs> a borderline miracle that the Giants posted 10 or more wins in a season right. and all that. Um, you know, but Saquon holding out, I mean, yeah, that could, that's also a tactic on his part. Like, you know, makes the front office jump a little bit. Like, look, if he sits out, then we become irrelevant. We might become irrelevant again. And, um, you know, do I think he would sit out? I mean, I'm leaning towards no, but yet again, I don't think any of us expected Le'Veon Bell to do the same thing. Yeah, uh, when he did. And I think that was five years ago. And, you know, Le'Veon Bell was really good up until that point. And, you know, maybe the Steelers saw something that we didn't, but obviously he kind of faded off, you know, not really making many uh, waves after going to the Jets. Um, but at the end of the day, Saquon is on my list of running backs that I would pay. And however much that is, He's he's an integral part of the franchise um, for them moving forward. He's like he's the guy. He's the face of the Giants. I don't think I'm saying anything controversial there. Um, no, and I think no, it would I just. So I think it would just. I think it would just look bad, you know, for the fans in New York and in the Meadowlands, and you know, for them to not see 26 on the field on Sundays. No, and it's a good point because the Giants' ownership, their franchise, they have so much money, and they're they're a team that's able to make this work. This is a guy that you drafted as your, you know, future back, and I get it. You know, the market is different, and you and with the way the NFL is going now with the star, you know, studded positions, you want to pay a defensive end, you want to pay a corner, wide receivers getting up there as well. They're very expensive. I feel like it was a slap in the face to Saquon Barkley to pay Daniel yeah. Jones over him because Saquon is such a dynamic running back. He makes everything go for you. I really don't see the Giants offense being the same without him. Now, I have a really close hey. friend of mine who is a big Giants fan, and he doesn't want to pay Saquon, but sometimes you have to bite the bullet. It, I, I mean, I really think Saquon Barkley is a top three running back in the NFL. Now you got Chubb, you got McCaffrey. Derrick Henry seems like he's slowly declining. He's getting older. I mean, they're giving him 300 carries a year. I, yeah. I don't, I don't see why Saquon Barkley, they've got to come to some sort of agreement. And like you said, I think he's potentially going to hold out. He's going to stand his ground, but you know, the longer he does that, the more likely he becomes irrelevant. And look, I mean, Saquon was, was drafted not that long ago. Like no. it was 2018, 2019. Like he hasn't even been in the league for six years yet. And I think this would be his sixth year. Um, and granted, he's had his in, he's had his share of injuries. Um, you know, I probably agree with Max on the point that yeah, running backs are replaceable, but we're nowhere near having that conversation with Saquon Barkley yet. I mean, he's coming off a strong year where right. he led the Giants to the playoffs. He did all these sorts of dynamic things that we saw at Penn State and that we saw in his first couple of years in the league. Um, but he, he's not anywhere near the point where we need to talk about replacing him like Zeke Elliott, for example, who has, I think we can both agree, not fallen off a cliff, but production right. has gone down and he's just turned into a running back that just doesn't seem to fit the mold anymore of where the game is. Um, but, you know, Saquon is just, you know, he's kind of in a, in a league of his own in terms of what he brings to the table. Um, you know, especially pass catching and, and carrying. I think there's only really 
one or two guys that you can throw in that conversation with him, and that would be Christian McCaffrey, obviously, and Tony Pollard, who I still think is underappreciated um, as a running back to this day. You know, I was surprised that he didn't start over Zeke um, earlier on last year than he did. And the Giants, or excuse me, and the Cowboys didn't pay Tony Pollard. They franchise tagged him. So that's another thing as well. But yeah. go, going back to my point here, Austin Eckler has been wanting to know why yeah. running backs haven't been getting paid. And I get it. He's a very smart guy. I've listened to him and what he's had to say. But hate to break it to you, man, but Saquon Barkley's 10 times better than you. And I know Austin Eckler is a great running back and he's had a lot of success in the NFL. But I think 32 GMs would much rather have Saquon Barkley over Austin Eckler any day of the week. He's more dynamic. He's a better running back all around. I think he fits into a lot more systems and a lot more teams than, uh, than, than, you know, Saquon Barkley, I think is much yeah. better than Austin Eckler, but you know, countering that point there, the chiefs just won a super bowl with, with Isaiah Pacheco when they drafted him in the seventh round from Rutgers. So running backs just seem so interchangeable. It's just a hard argument. It's, it's an ongoing debate. And I think it's going to continue and it's going to ramp up. And it's so funny because you backtrack a few months ago, we were having this conversation about Saquon Barkley and if the Giants were going to pay him and if uh, Miles Sanders should get paid and this running back and that, and Josh Jacobs is holding out now. So I just think this is the way the NFL it's going. And I don't think it's going to stop here. It's almost like they're protesting and they're not going to stop until they come to a middle ground or they get what they want. And I think the Giants will, I think the Giants will, you know, come to an agreement. I think they will pay him. I don't think they want to play hardball with a guy like this, especially a star on, on your team. The Giants, I really don't think they can afford to lose this guy. I really don't. I don't think they can afford to lose yeah. Saquon Barkley. They're not – they don't have somebody else behind them that can, you know, replace him. So I hope that wasn't too much about Saquon. But I'm just fired up about it, man, because it drives me crazy. This running back debate going, ongoing right now is crazy. Even Christian McCaffrey even said it. He's making $16 million. So That's, I just, yeah. I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. It, I mean, as a fantasy football GM, I will disagree with you and say that I'd take Austin Eckler over Saquon Barkley any day of the week, <laughs> having been in, a, having been, having lived in PPR leagues over the last five, six years now, uh, since, you know, my senior year of high school and everything, but, but, you know, from a value standpoint, yeah, I'm going to take the get younger guy over the guy who's in his thirties. Um, you know, Eckler, I think, you know, he's limited in what he can do. You know, I think we saw last year that he can't really run in between the tackles as effectively as he could, you know, in previous years. He's just a better pass catcher, um, you know, in that offense. Herbert did. Herbert set him up for success in some areas, specifically as a pass catcher. But, you know, when you need a guy to run in between the tackles and to, to kind of break one off, you know, you're, you're looking at a guy like Saquon or Nick Chubb. Or, you know, I'd say a healthy Jonathan Taylor, quite frankly. I don't think his 2021 season was a one-off. I think it was, yeah. you know, I think he's going to get back to form this year. Um, you know, but, you know, Austin Eckler kind of wondering, I mean, dude, you're kind of on the back end. You know, you don't have much time left. And, you know, someone who's, I think, is really similar to him as a running back is, you know, you mentioned the Chiefs, a guy like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who we were just salivating at the prospect of coming out of LSU. Like, yeah. look, this dude could be Darren Sproles, and he can do both and everything. And, you know, at the end of this year, he's, what, the number three? He hasn't you really know, lived up to much. Yeah. yeah you're I mean, right. it's, what, Pacheco, McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I mean, it's – I mean, running backs are interchangeable, but I don't think you want to take that risk on a guy like Saquon. You know, uh, I, I you think – 
yeah. not the great. La- last point here, though, about Saquon Barkley. I think he is a generational type running back. Now, some people may call me crazy there. I mean, the Patriots all those years, they didn't pay, you know, running backs. But Saquon Barkley is a different type of back, man. He's not just some guy you just throw away and – you know, he's, he's easily replaceable. It's he's, he's not a player like that. He's, he's like losing a, you know, cornerstone of your franchise. I, I really think Saquon's a very dynamic, you know, part of the giants offense and, you know, people may have other opinions about it, but somehow they're going to have to come to an agreement. So next part of the NFL I want to talk about was Deandre Hopkins. He recently signed with the Tennessee Titans on a two year, $26 million deal up to $32 million in incentives. And it's been really getting to me. I posted a, you know, a couple clips about it and, for me, I wish he would have just been honest with himself. His his quote unquote look, uh, standards, what he was looking for: a stable quarterback, stable management, because he's had four GMs in his career, um, a good defense, because defense wins championships, according to him. Now I get that, but the Titans, yeah. out of all teams, and he's made 111 million dollars in his career earnings wise, and he's played in Arizona and Texas, two states that are very well put together for, for state income tax and Tennessee, no state, no state income tax there. And he has, he's avoided California and New York and a lot of other big States that are, you know, heavily on taxes and to go to the Titans on the back end of your career, like you were once sought after as the best receiver in the NFL. And you want to go to the Titans with a stable quarterback as in Ryan Tannehill, and he just drafted his replacement and will Levis and they just drafted Malik Willis last year. So that really doesn't make any sense there. I think some of it was spite to the Patriots. They probably lowballed them. We're probably not going to hear that offer because Belichick's, uh, you know, and co and Belichick as yeah. the GM doesn't like to, you know, spill the beans there. And, you know, that's very obvious what we've seen with the Patriots in the years past, and they don't like to pay a lot of receivers. But my point here is, is I don't think he had a big market. And no. I really think that the Titans, I think it really came down to the Titans, and the Patriots, but if I were him, I would have tried to go to the chiefs of the bills, especially in this state of the NFL, go try to win a ring you've already made your money you're older now go build your go you know cement your legacy as a you know top receiver of all time he's you know probably a hall of famer but even solidify his case even more to get that championship with the bills and the chiefs i mean they're the juggernaut of the afc Bengals fans will have something else to say about that but i really think that hopkins made a mistake what are your thoughts yeah i mean for better or for worse i mean i think you know the whole suspension thing definitely crossed a you know yeah. a good number of teams crossed him off the list and said, "Look, we don't want to deal with it. You know, we don't we don't want to invest that money again. Uh, we don't want to invest that money in a guy like that, even though you know he was an elite receiver at one point and um, you know and all that. But I think Tennessee, you know, I, I I'm kind of with you. I think there weren't many teams out there that were willing to extend a contract offer. Um, and, and, you know, Belichick's been known and the Patriots have been known for kind of trying to give guys a second chance, i.e. Antonio Brown. You know, we knew that we saw that experience experiment lasted for like two, three weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I think DeAndre Hopkins probably was going to Tennessee thinking that he could be a guy like A.J. Brown, who, you know, as much as we shit on Tennessee and wonder why receivers want to go there, you know, AJ Brown had a fairly respectable career in Tennessee before he got traded to Philly. Um, you know, I don't know what D hops thinking though, in terms of the stable quarterback situation, because I think, you know, every analyst in the country is expecting that Ryan Tannehill is going to be on a short leash this year. And, 
you know, Rabel and them, you know, won't be afraid to go to a guy like Will Levis early. Um, you know, but, you know, two years, 26 million, I think this is probably going to be the last contract he gets other than the one day contract if he wants to retire as a Texan or, you know, do yeah. any sort of that fanfare with yeah. a team that he, you know, was fond for. Um, but, you know, I, I'm with you. I just don't, you know, I, I don't really understand why. You know, you, you opt to go to Tennessee, um, you know, because I think you kind of compare him. He thinks he can be A.J. Brown, but I think in reality we're kind of looking at him as Julio Jones, you know, a guy who only yeah. got one touchdown pass with the Titans this past, you know, whenever that was, 2021. 2021, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I just don't – it just it makes you wonder, man. Like, you know, there's some moves that we see in the NFL that are like, okay, this makes sense. And like right. there were a couple that were like, great, you know, good moves. And then you look at one like this and you're like, you know, it just, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and you're just like, yeah, you know, no, you, you mean, make a, you make a great point. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because I just think that he went for the money. Uh, instead, I wish he would just tell yeah. the truth and I get it. You, you know, you're a businessman. You have to do what's best for you. Like you said, you're focused on your income. I, I completely get it. Sports is sports and you have to do what's best for you. But Brother, you're at the back end of your career. You're you're right there, you know, at the end of your career, and you got to go to the Titans out of all teams. I I don't understand that. You've made so much money in your career. Now I get yeah. a personal personal thing. He maybe wants to stay in the South. He went to Clemson, but the Chiefs and the Bills. I would have. I get it. It's money. I get it. I would have went to the Chiefs or the Bills to potentially win a ring. You have nothing to lose, even if you even if you go to the Chiefs of the Bills for a year, and then some other lower team on the market pays you way more. You got your ring. Yeah. Now you're fighting well, with the Titans to get in the playoffs. Well, that and I and I think you know when he talks about the franchise that's yeah. stable in all aspects. Look, I, I don't care for this team that much, but Jacksonville has all that now. You know, yeah. with Trevor Lawrence, you have your stable quarterback who actually. He kind of got it together this past season. You have a st stable front office. You have a stable core of playmakers with Christian Kirk and and those guys. You know, that's a place maybe I would have kind of taken a look at if I was him. Um, you know, just because of the success that they had, you know, second half of the season under Doug Peterson. And, you know, I mean, he turned that franchise around in a year. Do I think that, you know, they win the AFC South? I think they got a good shot. Um, but I think, you know, it'll probably be down to Tennessee and them. I think Indy just is too inconsistent and Houston just isn't there yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be a two horse race between Tennessee and Jacksonville, um, for the South and, um, you know, it should be, should be fun to watch. My last point about Deandre Hopkins before we move on to the next part here is I personally think he spited the Patriots. I, like I said, when we started talking about this, they lowballed him. He wasn't comfortable. And then the relationship between him and Bill O'Brien, and then a report came out that they were okay. You know, I really think he went to the Titans to be with them because they gave him the most money, but also to spite the big brother, go to the little brother and Mike Vrabel, who's the cooler Belichick. He's more hip. Yeah. He's younger, very similar style of play. They're both very hard nose. Vrabel's very in your face, kind of like Belichick. You learn from the best to yeah. to learn from the best you got to be the best you know so to be the man you got to beat the man but my point is is i really think hopkins went to the titans despite the patriots they gave him the money he said i'm gonna go to the titans they're a very similar type team 
but stable management, the Patriots have stable management. They've won freaking six Super Bowls this decade. What, what? It, yeah. it, it just doesn't make any sense. Some, sometimes it just doesn't add up. Like you said, the move doesn't make any sense. So I'm done talking about Hopkins. I'm done talking about Hopkins. Um, have you watched the new Netflix show quarterback? I have not. And I will be the first to admit that I do not have a Netflix account. So, I mean, it's very hard <laughs> as a sports reporter. It's very oh. hard. To, it's very hard to binge stuff. Like That's I just, so funny. Can't, I just can't get on some of the stuff. And I mean, there's periods in, throughout the year where I can like get a series in for yeah. something here or there, like Ted Lasso or, you know, some yep. other series, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, that's the one thing, you know, it sucks about being a sports reporter is that it's hard to keep up on things because I have my other personal interests and things and, and all that. So I have not seen this series just yet. I was really hoping you were going to be able, you were watching it because I haven't seen it yet either. And people just keep talking about it. They're like Mariota and cousins and Mahomes. And I mean, the poster boy, it's about the poster boy Mahomes and this and that. And yeah, I get it. It, it. Of course it's cool. It's, you know, it's so funny that Netflix quarterback, they dropped it and then hard knocks, right it's it's just perfect timing it's like let's spite them it's like it's we want to be better but no i really want to check it out might have to send you my login so you can watch it because <laughs> you say hey, you don't have i might need it for that gator series that's coming out in august yes on with urban meyer yes yes yeah. yes you, you might uh i might have to you know send you the login right after this episode the the three dots come up you're like why is he texting me because <laughs> i'm sending you the netflix login so um, how about Jordan Addison though, being, was it, I think it was arrested, but he was going, he was cited going 140 and a 55, like, oh my gosh, my <laughs> buddy texted me this earlier and I was driving myself insane. I was like, dude, you just had Henry Ruggs get into a similar situation. Now, I don't think Jordan Addison's situation is as extreme as this, but man, what are you doing? You're going 90 <laughs> over, man. Kevin play stupid games, wins, oh. play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Like that's Kev just what it comes down to. It doesn't like make any sense. Kevin O'Connell must be driving himself insane. He's like, the Vikings are creating their own drama. Jeff, Justin Jefferson, what last week or two weeks ago said Kirk Cousins wasn't and it wasn't a top five quarterback. That's a whole nother story. Then you have the Dalvin Cook stuff. Then you have Jordan Addison. It's like you're yeah. just adding fuel to the fire. You're just sitting there, I mean, you know, hang, hanging around the campfire, and you're throwing more fire into the logs that you don't need to throw in. <laughs> well, and the last thing management wants to deal with is a player who hasn't even had, who has problems before he's even stepped foot on a field for a snap. Right. And like Jordan Addison, that's like, that's just going to be the unfortunate reality of it. And it's like, you know, you, Kevin O'Connell's probably going, oh shit. Like, we, like, we don't need this right now. You know, you like, got Jefferson who, <laughs> I mean, for, I mean, I'll agree with Justin Jefferson. Like, you know, Kirk Cousins is not a top five quarterback, but you don't go out there and say that. No. You know, you don't throw your own quarterback under the bus. Um, you know, whether that was intentional for, to light a fire under Kirk to put in the work this offseason, I don't know. But you know, at the end of the day, you don't say that. But also, like, what are you doing going 140 and a 55? I just don't – I can't comprehend how you get up to that speed. And, you know, that's like – you're going – you're basically going 140 down 41, Joey. Like, that's <laughs> – it just doesn't make – it doesn't make any sense. Like, no, it doesn't make any sense at all. I just don't – I don't understand what kind of what goes through the mind of NFL players these days. Henry Ruggs, 
you know, I, I can understand his situation more as much as tragic as it is because he was intoxicated and he was messed up and like, you know, that stuff is bound to happen, you know, if you're in those circumstances. But for a guy like Jordan Addison to be going even faster than Henry Ruggs, I think, um, you know, it's just, it's beyond me. It really dumb, is at this point. I hate to say this, but dumb people make dumb decisions. I, I don't yeah. know. I wouldn't say that, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't say that Jordan Addison's dumb, but that's a dumb decision. Well, you're I mean, such a, you're such a young player and you have a platform now and you just got drafted in the first round by the Vikings. You just finished a heck of a career at USC. You're very notable and you're going to be a breakout wide receiver. Then you go and do that. Yeah. Like it, it's just, a, and I get it. These like, it kind of goes back to these kids are young. You're going to make dumb mistakes just like you and I, but man, he, he, he better learn from that. I mean, it's just such a dumb thing. It's like the Vikings GM, like and, and O'Connell are probably sitting there like, Ugh, why? It's like the, I sent my friend the emoji earlier today. This It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, they, it's not like why, especially when the division can basically be theirs now, if they want it yeah. to be. And yes. now, I mean, they're, they're, if they cut them, I mean, you're basically, I think you're giving the division to Detroit at that point, you know, Detroit's yeah. got it together and, you know, they don't have any of those problems with players doing stupid shit and you know minnesota you know they kind of burned the bridge with dalvin cook and you know justin jefferson seems to be on the you know he seems to have pretty short patience you know i I think we saw that a couple times last year um but you know to be the right hand man to arguably the best receiver in the league right now to just to put yourself in that position you know especially as a rookie i mean he's got ground to make up now and he's got, you know, relationships to repair. Um, yep. You know, I, I don't, you know, the first day he walks it back in that locker room, it's going to be awkward. And he's, you know, he's got work to do at 22, 23 years old. That Tupac song, All Eyes on Me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, right. let's, let's move on to the NBA. And then we got the MLB. We got, then we have five questions to wrap up the show. But the NBA, Summer League just wrapped. It feels like the NBA is always a 24-hour news cycle with the NBA's drama with this player and that player and Wemby's a bust and uh, the Lakers doing this and the Nuggets doing that and the Warriors signing or trading for Chris Paul and then the Draymond Green Jordan Poole drama with his dad it's like you knew as soon as that punch happened you knew it was just going to be a down downhill slope from there it was just going to be all in right and now you get jordan Poole's dad coming at draymond green and draymond green saying this it's like it just it feels like it's it's like it's a it's own reality show i I tweeted that in the past it's like its own reality show so i want to talk to you about the damian lillard rumors i'm frustrated with this damian lillard stuff at this point i remember a few weeks ago they leaked from his camp that he only wants to play for the heat and then damian lillard was on live playing the miami song by will smith and then jimmy butler recently just did the Dame time celebration while he's over. I think he's in China. It's like, it's getting petty at this point, guys. Like, let's just trade for Damian Lillard. Like Portland, the offer's there. You know what Miami wants. Dame wants to go to Miami. Just grant the guy his wish. It's just, it's driving me crazy at this point. It's like, it's irking me. It's like, let's just get it over with, guys. We're anxious. We're waiting. It's like, you're waiting for the new iPhone to drop. You're waiting. You know, it's coming. We're waiting for it. Like, here we go, guys. When, what day is it coming out? Like, when is the new PS6 coming out? Like, what's going on here? Like, Lillard wants to go to the Heat. Like, come on, you know? So, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Miami's kind of been in the lead for a while. It's just a matter of if, you know, Pat Riley and, and all them want to give up what Portland wants. I think you're looking at Yo I think you're looking at a guy like Tyler Hero. You're looking at Jovich. Um, you're probably looking at a guy like Kyle Lowry. Duncan um, Robinson, you know, four first round picks the they four, want. I mean, you, you're, yeah. you're basically emptying out your entire bench here. Um, minus, you know, a guy like Lowry and, and, and whatnot. And, and there's picks on top of this. So you're probably looking at three picks, three first rounds, unconditionals. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know if Miami wants to do that. You know, as as lethal as a starting five would be with it, with, you know, Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, Bam, etc. I, I just don't, I don't know if the Heat want to do that because let's face it, I liked a lot of their guys and their bench minutes this past year. Like yeah. I, I liked a lot of the guys coming off the bench. I liked a guy like Duncan Robinson. You know, I liked a guy like uh, Max Struess, who is now with uh, Cleveland. You know, I think that they got a lot of help from their bench. And, you know, I think you're kind of looking at a similar situation with Phoenix where, yeah, Phoenix is starting five is going to be freaking great. Like, there's no doubt about that. But when that starting five can't play 45 or 48 minutes, you know, you can get beat pretty quickly in those minutes when those guys are off the floor. Um, but as much as... You know, Dame is a game-changing player. I, I think we've seen that on multiple instances. You know, I think if anyone were to disagree with that, they're, you know, they're probably alone by themselves. Um, but, you know, I think it's just coming down to what Miami wants to give, and they're just kind of working to just to get, give Portland the bare minimum, you know, to just get Dame. Because I think Hero's going to have to go. Lowry's gone. Um, Jovic is gone. So there's a young guy. You got youth there and Hero and and Jovic that are gone. Like that that's literally some of the future of your franchise. And then you got the picks on top of that. Like if they can keep Duncan Robinson, and I have a feeling that if Pat Riley pulls this off, that he will be able to keep, you know, dunk. Then you got a pretty strong starting five. Um, but after that it's you know, guys like Haywood Highsmith and yeah. uh, Cody Zeller and uh, Richardson, who's back. <laughs> Richardson, you know, Kevin Love. Like, I, I just like Miami. You know, Miami's rotation last year, they did, but they weren't good enough to beat Denver. And No, that's the thing. You know, I, you, think, I think yeah. that's their goal now is to get a starting five that's capable. Even though Gabe Vincent, I thought, had a great series for the most part. He had great playoffs. Same thing with Caleb Martin up until the finals. You know, I saw yeah. him in game seven in Boston. I was like, holy shit. You yeah. Know, the guy couldn't miss. And, um, you know, I just liked a lot of what they had to offer this past season. And, you know, Dame, Dame will offset what they, you know, what they're trading for. But, um, you know, I just, uh, who knows, man? Maybe Boston jumps in the mix. Maybe Boston goes and gets Dame. Who knows? I mean, we, we'll see. But I think, you know, he's pretty much circled in on South Beach. Jalen Brown would have to be included in that, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Boston has the assets like Miami has. And Portland no. came out and said that they want four four first round picks. I think that's what's what it's going to take. And if Eric Spolstra and the Miami Heat and Pat Riley and Mickey Harrison want to make the move, and they want to continue to you know keep themselves on the map, and Miami's going to be relevant as long as Spo is there and Jimmy Butler, of course. Jimmy Butler even came out and said, I think 
or he said, we will be winning a championship next year. And I love the motivation, <laughs> but let's be realistic here. You get Lillard, you're in the conversation, but right now, I don't know about that. So let's Jimmy, Jimmy said, Jimmy said a lot yeah. of things in the playoffs that didn't come true. <laughs> Jimmy's got that Kobe, Kobe Bryant, Mamba mentality mindset where nobody's going to, you know, push him down. I love it. But I mean, sometimes yeah. you have to be a little more realistic, but anyways, James Harden, I'm so done with this guy. It's been driving me absolutely insane. He's another guy too. It's like another request trade out. It's like this guy request. It's like, how many times are you going to leave your job? How many times are you going to, you're going to quit? <laughs> it's like, I thought Daryl Morey was his friend for the Rockets and now he's with the Sixers and now he wants out. It's like, I don't think Harden realizes like how, I guess he looks out for himself, but I don't think he realizes the other people around him that he affects. I mean, he's got, the MVP on his team and Joel Embiid, it's like, let's go to the Clippers. And what are you going to do with the Clippers with Kawhi who load manages Paul George can't stay healthy. The Clippers don't want to give him an extension. It's like, what, what are we doing here? The Knicks, are they going to, you know, take James Harden? It's like James Harden's declining as we see. Yeah. I, I really don't see, you know, James Harden. I, I don't understand it. I have a little bigger picture. I mean, you kind of touched on it by mentioning the teams, but why in the world would you want to go to the West right now? Right. Like why do you why why do you want to go to the West? You got L, you got the Lakers who seem to have, have put something together that's strong. I mean, yep. The Grizzlies, I I don't know what to make of them. You know, with with Jaw kind of going through his thing and Dylan Brooks going to to Houston. You got Denver who seems to be pretty much on the fast track to repeat with with the amount of talent they have coming back. Um, and then you got Golden State and Sacramento. I mean, the West is loaded, and I just don't understand why you'd want to go join that competition if you want to win a championship. I think if James Harden wants to get to a finals, I think it's in the East. I don't think it's in the West, or you know, I, he wanted to go to Houston. Yeah, you got young guys there, but Houston's nowhere near being a title contender. You know, I think Philly, you know, if you if you can get past Boston and get past Miami, maybe Milwaukee, I think you're in a position where you can get to a finals. But yeah. look, I mean, I, I didn't even I didn't even mention Luca and Kyrie and Dallas. Like that's just how loaded the West is. Right. Uh, but James Harden, I, I don't know what to make of it. You know, Tyrese Maxey's a good solid number two there. Um, I, I think James Harden just enjoy the time in Philly, man, because that's going to be your best chance to win a ring. You know, I think they were close this past year. Um, you know, they get one more key player. I think they're in a decent shape. Um, but you know, James Harden wants out, you know, I think we can write off Philly for the next couple of years. No, I agree with that. And the thing is, is I think, uh, Philly's trying to really build around Tyrese Maxey. They really like him a lot. They said that he's not going yeah. to be included in any trade packages. I know they were linked to Lillard, but it's just like Harden. It, it, if if Harden gets traded, like you said, Philly won't be relevant, of course. And then Embiid's going to want out, and they might just go downhill. You might how the Eagles were going. Eagles fans were going crazy in the streets. Yeah. It might be like that for Philly for the Sixers when James Harden leaves. They might be greasing poles and burning the streets down if he leaves. So. But I wanted to talk about Wemby real quick before we wrap up this NBA talk here. I think Wemby's going to be just fine. I said this uh, last week in a clip. So many guys were freaking out, and I was like, "Pump the brakes! It's it's one summer league game, guys. Like he played one summer league game, and he it, it's like it's like guys here, like let let's let's hold up. 
Wemby's going to be just fine. Even if he doesn't have an amazing rookie year this year, he's going to be a great rim protector. He's going to be able to provide defense for you. I don't know if he's going to be the Kevin Durant guy we're looking for right away or the one-legged threes at the exact moment, but he's in a great position with Popovich. He's in a great, great program. I mean, I don't think it gets any better for a rookie like that to go to a team like the Spurs who – have known to have, you know, great success with player development and helping players grow. I mean, Tony Parker, Duncan Rob, Duncan Robinson, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, like Wimby's in a great position. Yeah. And the one thing I didn't even realize that he's in the West too now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you have the future of the NBA in the West, West, you have Scoot Henderson, who's also in the West. Um, you know, I, Wimby is going to be fine. Like, I don't, understand why people are freaking out after one summer league game you have to understand the amount of media that was around him over the last six months you know talking about the nba that does something to you and he as much as you know you probably don't think professional athletes get it the their heart is racing just like ours were when we were kids in high school when we're playing a high school game or something like that Yep. Like there, he was probably going through the same exact thing, and Wemby is going to be fine. Like I'm not concerned at all. He's getting used to American basketball. You know who else? You know is from Europe that you know succeeded and they're doing just fine here. <laughs> Nikola Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic. Yeah, Nikola Jokic should be a three-time MVP. Um, <laughs> you know, Luka Doncic is. 23, 24, soon to be a face of the NBA. You got Giannis from Greece. You know, it's starting to become an international game. I don't understand why people are very concerned about Wemby at all. I'm not, I'm not worried at all. I think he's going to be an easy double double. He's going to be a walking double double in his first year. And, you know, if he wants to be like Nikola Jokic and create, I can see him being a triple double type guy. But, you know, I think he's guaranteed for you know 18 20 and 10 20 and 12 his first year in the league you know i think call me call me you know, crazy just, though. just with his height yeah yeah call just me crazy height, though man. i mean this is yeah it's insane yeah call me crazy but i don't think Wemby's gonna win rookie of the year i really don't the reason why because i don't think the spurs are going to tax him and they're gonna put all their eggs into him because i just don't think popovich is going to do that i think he's really going to want to develop him i really think scoot henderson or brandon miller is going to win rookie of the year because they're going to be way more flashy they're going to show up way more on the stat sheet i think Wemby's going to have some of those tough games and popovich is going to be sitting there and molding him and developing him and showing him the ropes showing him the ways yeah. how international basketball is different than the nba I think Brandon Miller is going to go out there and drop probably, you know, 15 to 18 on night. Scoot's going to have flashy highlights and dunks and, you know, crazy plays. And Wemby's not going to have that. You're going to make, you may be, you may see, you know, a one-legged three every once in a while, or Wemby takes somebody off the block or Wemby, you know, posts somebody up and he gets something crazy or hits it. But I really just don't see Wemby winning, winning rookie of the year. I really don't mainly just because I think pop is going to sit there with him and try to develop him. And I don't think it's going to be as flashy as people think. And people are going, Wemby, he's going to win this because it's like i think he's going to be developed first i really think scoot and brandon miller are going to be the two guys that are going to be in the race for good year and then chet holmgren too is another guy who hasn't even played yet so yeah rookie of the year might be a little bit tighter than we think of just giving it to wemby it's like wemby's not a lock to win rookie of the year yeah i think vegas you know vegas was somewhat generous i think he think he's at negative odds i think by a pretty healthy margin um 
No, it is interesting because as much as I think, you know, that's something Popovich would do, to my knowledge, the NBA awards are decided by the writers. And there's so many writers that fantasize or, you know, they're probably thinking like, you know, Wemby, they get to see Wemby for the first time this year in person. And, you know, right. I, I test is everything. You know, an NBA writer isn't going to see every single minute of every single game that he plays. No. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to be, you know, I feel like he'd probably be a part of every talk show or every afternoon ESPN show. I think, you know, Malika Andrews will name drop him once a day. Um, yep. You know, I just think he has that media coverage around him that, you know, that comes with pressure too. Like, Wemby is probably going to feel pressure once the first game is here in a couple months. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could see him not winning it. You know, my first look would be right to Scoot Henderson. You know, I think, especially Same. if Dane's gone and, you know, he's putting up, <laughs> putting up 20 a game, you know, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion, but it's just all about how Wemby, how quickly he adapts to the game. Like a guy like Scoot Henderson, prototypical guard, yep. shifty, quick, can push you in transition like the Aaron Fox. Can't um, shoot very you well. Know, he, he, you know, he can have an easier transition. Wemby is obviously one of a kind, and we've never seen something like him, no. um, which can make things very interesting, you know, when that first game comes. And, you know, maybe a fair evaluation point could be Christmas, you know, maybe G early January to kind of see where we're at. You know, because at that point, you know, I think we'll know whether or not he's going to win Rookie of the Year. Most definitely. So to wrap up the show, I wanted to talk about the MLB really quickly here. Shohei Otani, what's going on here, guys? I, are the Angels going to trade him? Are they, is he going to stay? I, like I said, I really think the Angels need to trade Shohei Otani, try to get some value before you lose him this offseason because you're not going to be able yeah. to afford him. You got the Dodgers on the phone. You got the Yankees on the phone. The Mets owner and Steve Cohen, who has come out and said he will do anything to get Shohei Otani, and now the Rays are in the mix for a trade of him. I don't see that. I don't think the Rays would do that. He would just be a rental. And I don't see the Rays giving up their prospects. They're very stingy. They're very frugal with their prospects because they don't like to pay a lot of people. And they don't have a very big payroll. So, and then I also saw the Yankees, the Yankees trading for Otani. Don't even get me started about the Yankees. I'm I'm pretty upset about them with the whole judge thing. And he's not back yet. And Donaldson, they're still paying him. And Rodon is blowing kisses to fans. And then Tommy Canley yesterday is beating up a fan, not an actual fan, but a, you know, a moving fan <laughs> in, the, in the dugout. But it's like, it's so frustrating at this point with this Otani stuff. It's like, what do you think? Are they going to trade him? Are they not? Like, what? I really think they should. Well, they have to at this point with trout out for six months and, and, you know, they're kind of on track to go into the cellar, you know, in front of the A's, you have to trade them and, and, you know, get what you can now, because we yep. all know that Shohei Otani is not re-signing with, with Los Angeles, at least the angels um, <laughs> right. you know, might go to the Dodgers. But at the end of the day, the angels have a sub, have a non-zero chance of getting him. Like there, there's no shot here for him to resign as an angel. He's gone. Um, they just can't afford to pay him because I, I mean, personally, I think he gets a $600 million contract. I think yeah, that's how yeah. much he's going to get. He's going to get money. He's going to get 600 mil. Um, 
you know, I could see the Rays, like the Rays have the prospects to do it, obviously. And would they be willing to empty their farm? I don't know. Like don't it's just so. so tough because the Rays, the Rays are kind of on their own skid right now. Um, you know, that they've officially moved into second place. Um, the Mets are just kind of a no man's land in the middle of the NL East. You know, the Yankees, they they'd be first place in the AL Central. You know, they're yeah. nowhere attention. So it's kind of you're limited here. And <clears throat> I just don't I mean, as much as the Angels probably want to trade uh Shohei Otani, I just don't know if there's a place for him, you know, that they'd be content with. But yet again, you know, the Angels don't care where these other teams are, if they're in positions to buy or sell or or any sort of thing. At the end of the day, you need a return because you, the Angels have no shot at this point of getting to the playoffs, winning a World Series, or even, heck, winning a playoff series. Um, so I think at this point, you just need to get a return that is good enough to where you don't <clears throat> set the tone for future markets like him. Because, you know, Guy at UF, you know, he's definitely maybe a few years out of the, you know, a few years away from being pro, Jack Caglione. Similar yeah. guy and pitching yep. can hit. Imagine Shohei getting traded for four or five prospects. I mean, that sets the tone for Caglione to get like two or three. And, you know, I, I think the Mets have a fair amount to offer. The Yankees, I mean, if I'm if I'm the Angels, I don't want to touch what the Yankees have in their farm system because Jason Dominguez was this hyped-up prospect who's barely hitting 200. Yeah, sadly. Um, and that's their number one prospect, mind you. I wouldn't want yep. to touch that farm system. The Rays have a consistently good farm system that I would be open to looking at, but it just doesn't seem like – it just doesn't feel like the Rays would be the team to do it. Um, the The team that is interesting – and I could never see them doing this, but I, I mean, I had Shohei slotted in to go to this team last year. Um, Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I knew they, it. <laughs> they, they could never, they could never trade him to a division rival like that. Um, but could I see him signing in Texas in the off season? Yeah. After they paid Marcus Simeon, paid Jacob Degrom, paid Seager. Corey Seager. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it a hundred percent. Like, I could see him going to the Rangers. Um, will they pay him? <laughs> I don't know. But just picture what the Rangers could be next year with a healthy Shohei Otani, a healthy Jacob deGrom, a healthy Kumar Rocker. I mean, Jack Leiter, if he gets it together in the farm system, that rotation and Nate Evaldi, who has actually had a great season since leaving uh, the Red Sox, um, just imagine that rotation and imagine what the Rangers could become with Shohei Otani. Um, you know, they're already going to be a 90 plus win team this year. Just imagine what they are with them next year. Jonah Heim, Josh Jung, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, like you said, they're, they're unreal right <laughs> it's, now. It's, it's a good core, man. It really, no, it really is. is. It really is. And I think my last point about Otani here is because I feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point. I feel like we all want him to get traded. Yankees fans are holding their breath. 
But if I'm the Yankees, I wouldn't even make the trade for Otani at this point. I would really just try to hardball and try to sign him in this offseason. You have the money for him. Yeah. You pair him next to Judge. And some people say, well, they trade for him, that you put him next to Cole, Rodon, Judge comes back. You have a really legitimate chance to win the World Series. But I just think there's too much going wrong, wrong with the Yankees right now for them to make that type of trade. And you could potentially get him this offseason for just paying for him. You have so much money. You're... Maybe if, if the Yankees Maybe. were like, if they were like legitimate in the AL East, if they weren't slipping, and I know Judge has been hurt and guys have been in and out of the lineup. I mean, but the, the point is, is the Yankees are one of the worst batting average teams in the MLB. So yeah. it's like, uh, and Boone's on the hot seat, which he needs to go. Cashman needs to go. We're not going to go down a Yankees rabbit hole ramp, but I don't think they should trade it, for Otani. It, it would be the Yankees thing to do by paying for him. They wouldn't yeah. trade for him. And then, yeah. You know, not end up not signing him. Like the Yankee thing to do is to sign him in the offseason yep. and, you know, get him locked in for the rest of his career. Um, I, I just don't see the Yankees trading for him at the deadline. No. Now, you look at a team like the Dodgers, maybe. I, I just, I, I really don't know what teams are are truly in and truly out on his on his market because it's just it's really a tough read right now because there's teams you know that you'll probably agree with this that you know coming into this year we didn't expect them to be winning and they're winning right. example Arizona Diamondbacks Baltimore Orioles first in yep. the division yep now, Orioles it's just, yep it's crazy to think i mean the Orioles could be a dark horse because they do have a deep farm system um, you know, with the amount of prospects they have. But um, I, I mean, for long term, I probably want to keep that group together more than anything. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I just, I just yeah. don't know where he goes, if he goes. I mean, this could just be all hyped up and he stays an angel and, and all that. But, you know, it seemed like he, you know, watching the Yankees series earlier this week, I mean, he <laughs> – he was pretty yeah. adamant that, like, you yeah, know, he turns it up and, and, and all that stuff that, yep. I, I mean, I don't know if that's in his best interest. You know, the Yankees are the Yankees. They can pull anything off, really. They're like yeah. the Lakers, like the Cowboys. Yeah. They're they're a brand. They're not just a team. They, you know, everybody knows who the Yankees are, just like the Dodgers. The Yankees are the mecca of baseball, and it's never going to change just for, you know, all the history they've had in the past. But if they really want to make a splash, they would do it. In the past, they really haven't cared about prospects, but yeah. imagine that that lineup with Otani and Judge comes back to trade for Ot uh, Otani, and you could potentially keep him in the off season. You traded him. You got yeah. you got that out of the way. I don't know. My hands are up in the air on this one here. On I don't think the Dodgers have the prospects to trade for Otani. I I'm not the biggest Dodgers fan, even though I live in LA. I just don't think the Dodgers have enough to give for him. I think a team like you said that would prospect wise would make the most sense because the Angels want four top 100 prospects would be the Rays and then you know the Rangers potentially. But I don't know. The yeah. Angels said but, they're taking calls, so we'll see. But before before we go on to the next segment, yes or no is Shohei Otani an Angel after the deadline? Oh, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say they stand put on them. They 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 milk it as long as they can. They milk all these ticket sales, and they really try to play hardball this offseason and see if they can re-sign them and try to pitch them. Well, we have Trout. We really like you. We've been your guy. We've been loyal. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say I'm I'm going on record that Shohei Otani will be a Los Angeles Angel post deadline. 
it, it, it's tough, man. I, I think he's, I mean, the Angels, I feel like would be, you know, silly not to trade him. Right. Just because of where they're at in, in the teams that are out there that can provide um, yeah. a good return. But it's just weird picturing him getting traded at the deadline. Like he's, he's the guy in baseball right now. He's going to be your AL MVP if he stays in the American League. Right. He's got a good <laughs> shot at Cy. He's got a good shot at Cy Young. Um it would just be very odd to see, you know, a guy of that stature go at the deadline, but that's just where the Angels are at right now. And I just I mean, gun to my head, you know, on this, like is he going to be an Angel or not? I'm probably going to say uh, probably yes. Like yeah. I just, I, I don't think the Angels, you know, as much as they'd appreciate a return, I just don't know if they're going to get what they want for him. Right. I, I I think you. I think they're gonna they're gonna play the game. I think they're gonna roll the dice in the off season and see. They said they they're taking calls. So remains to be seen. Yeah. If we get off this podcast and Otani is traded, <laughs> I'm gonna lose my mind. But it's August sixth is the deadline. They push it back this year. I think is it, it might is, be. Is it August? It's it's something around there. I don't know the exact date, but the point is, is I think he stays put. So to end the show, as always, we do five questions for our guests. Um, we talked about the NBA. We talked about the NFL. We talked to the MLB. The main storyline of the MLB right now is Otani. I think everybody is scrolling on their phones, scrolling on social media and Twitter. Stay off Twitter, kids. No, but I really think everyone's scrolling and seeing what is going to the, the Angels are going to do with Otani. So, but. Five questions to end the show. Uh, we always do this. So what is your hottest take? I mean, it's more of a recent thing, but in all sports, kill divisions. Wow. Just just get rid of them. They, they're basically pointless now, and I think the AL East is proving that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as much as, you know, as much as you hate the Yankees, like, I, it just bothers the crap out of me that I love the, the Yankees. Yankees are the seller. <laughs> yeah. Oh. As the Yankees are in the cellar, but yeah. maybe first place in the central. Like Sadly. that just like, look, the twins spring train here and everything, but yeah, the twins are flirting at 500 right now, guys. I mean, yep. you got the Yankees who are doing better and it, it'd be very odd to see that play out. And I, I think it goes for all sports too. Like kid, just kill divisions, man. Like just make them conference or, you know, NFL two conferences, no divisions. Yep. Um, basketball, you know, thankfully they, they don't do that. It's straight up conferences. So I, I like what the NBA does. So that, that's not a concern. And I think they're making it more interesting. Hockey is it's uh <laughs> hockey's its own animal. And don't get me started uh, about know, hockey. Base, I get sad about hockey. But baseball's the biggest one, man. Like yeah. it's just it bothers the crap out of me to see, you know, a deserving team. You know, that seems to be that's winning games, but they're last in their division and they're probably frustrated, you know, and they have a right to be because if if they don't get in and the twins do sitting at 86 and 76 or 80, you know, 85 and 77, that I mean, yeah. that'd just be borderline silly. Alex, don't let me go down in a Yankees rabbit hole. You're really getting to me now. I, I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I can't. I'm so tired of the Yankees. They're just, they're just irking me, man. I have hope every single year, and nothing ever transpires. We pay this guy. You pay that guy. Nothing ever happens. So let's not go down to Yankees yeah. rabbit hole. I still love you. It's okay. Number two, if you could travel to anywhere in the world, where would it be? 
Oh boy. Um, that's a good question. I, I mean, I've had multiple places, but I, I mean, I've never been influenced really by a TV series, but after seeing the white Lotus oh. season two, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sicily just looks gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and, and it just, you know, I've seen some places and there's places I want to go that I've that are on my bucket list and whatnot, Sydney, London, I've never been to Europe, by the way, so it'd be kind yeah. of a refreshing experience. But I mean, after just after seeing the White Lotus, I've always had this thing for Sicily and just the way that they pictured it and the way that you know it was captured on camera and yeah. all those sorts of things. It just made me go like, "Whoa!" You know, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, so if, I mean, I'd probably say Sicily and the rest of Italy. I like that one. Well, hey. Place your future bet on whatever sport you think, whether it's NBA, NFL, <laughs> NHL. Place that future plus 100,000, plus 20,000. You could take me to Sicily. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey I, hope I, do, I hope I do tired if that bet hits. Hey, that's what I'm saying. But hey, save a little bit for your boy here. A little Otani trade. Judge yeah. wins MVP next year. Lakers win the championship. Something you know crazy happens in sports. Gators win the NCAA champion. Nah, it's not gonna happen. But no. Anyways, what is your favorite food? Favorite food. Um, I mean, I have a. There's a meal that comes to mind that I that just hits every time I eat it. Um, but I mean, it's probably gonna be steak. Uh, on just on a more broader note, you know, <laughs> steak is just you know it's just our thing, and yeah. you know I just love steak. But you know specifically. Uh, going to Daruma, you have the steak with the yum yum sauce. It Ooh. just hits different, Ooh. and it just it, it's so good, man. You know, it, oh, just yeah. having that sauce is it's awesome. And you now, if that's a like, you know, it's one of those questions where it's like, you know, you have to eat one thing for the rest of your, your life. What would it be? And, I mean, that's it. It's it's the cut up steak with the yum yum sauce, and <laughs> you know, I could, I could eat that every day, man. Like it's Not just. Not the really healthiest good. of choices, but it is oh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Not the healthiest of choices. A lot, a lot of, lot, a lot of fats in there. But hey, you got to get your protein. So, number four, if you could interview anyone in the world, who would it be? That's one I've thought a lot about, and you know, when I think about this question, before COVID, I would have told you Jordan. Wow. Uh, okay. Before COVID, I would have said Jordan, but we've seen his yeah. extensive interviews now with the last dance the guy who hasn't done that stuff yet well there's two guys that come to mind that haven't done that stuff in our modern day tv12 mm -hmm. jeter uh um, okay they it would probably be down to those two and just because of the greatness um you know we have yet to really kind of see behind the curtain look at tv12 and what he's been able to do um, and what happened behind the scenes in some areas, um, especially earlier on in his career. I just think his story is fascinating because Jeter was a very well-regarded prospect, a uh, very well-regarded yeah. player in high school and all that stuff. I mean, Tom Brady's a fifth-round pick or sixth-round pick, whatever he was, seventh-round, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his story is just really interesting that like we don't get to hear much about his college days because of what happened after that yeah um you know I'd, I'd love to get a peek behind the curtain at the tom brady in high school college in the early years in the nfl um just like we kind of did jordan a little bit um you know in the early 80s when he got drafted and you know we i think 
you know, the Bulls were an eight seed under 500. They were playing Larry Bird Celtics and MJ dropped like 50 something one game. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it rookie, kind of it was, was a rookie pre- game. Yeah. Rookie year. Yeah. yeah. It, it kind of was a prelude to, you know, very similar structure in terms of what Brady did winning as many rings as he did and Jordan winning six. Um, so I probably want to say Tom Brady just because of the player that he is and um, just the amount of, knowledge he has on and off the field um you know especially because there's stories that we'll get to hear for the first time in a documentary just like jordan um you know on multiple occasions um you know i don't think the pizza thing in utah really came to light until they talked about it directly you know i think there were rumors and and just kind of various accounts flying around but we heard it like straight from the guy like that's what happened. It was two in the morning. Like those stories with a lot of color is what I would hope to hear from Tom Brady. And, you know, color stories are just really fascinating, especially for me as a journalist. Most definitely. And I don't mean to correct you, but we, we did have the man in the arena with Tom Brady, the 10 episodes. But I do understand your point because we haven't seen his high school. Yeah. We didn't really see his college. We saw a glimpse into his NFL career. It still wasn't a ton. But I do understand where you're coming from. It was like the 10 uh, episode thing about his uh, man in the arena and stuff like some of his teammates. Like it was nice to hear, but I feel like it wasn't enough. I feel like there's so much Brady stuff to unpack. We haven't really gotten a lot of media appearances in Brady minus his time in the NFL Super Bowl appearances. Tom versus time was very brief on Facebook there. So we saw a glimpse into it, but man, it would be awesome to see more. And I think if, he does take the Fox deal because I guess it's on the table right now. They offered him 300 million for 10 years. We may see something in the aspect of a Brady documentary along, along the lines, maybe with Fox, maybe with HBO, you know, who knows? So, but yeah, I really yeah. do like that answer. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I mean, yeah. it would be like maybe, I mean, 10 years down the road, maybe Mahomes, you know, because we, yeah. well, we haven't had that yet, but you know, just, being able to get that insight would be very interesting. And no, I mean, I want to know more about what I want to know more about what Tom Brady did in the early two thousands and in college at Michigan and what kind of that was like for him. Yeah. So my last question for you is where do you see yourself in five years? Oh boy. (laughs) Um, That's a great (laughs) question. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like I gen with the way um, sports journalism is heading. I genuinely do not know. I don't know what it looks like in five years. I don't know if my position will be filled by AI. Like, I just don't you know. There's a lot of things that can go on in five years that, I mean, we have no idea. Like we've yeah. seen AI kind of just came out of nowhere and really um, came on the scene over the last two-ish years after COVID, you know, kind of early 2022, you heard things about AI. And this past year, you hear about kids using chat GPT to cheat on tests and all that. Crazy. Uh, I mean, I don't even, I don't know where the world's going to be in five years at this point. I mean, let alone myself. It'll be um, upside down. You know, <laughs> but, pers- but personally, like, I hope to be stay. I hope to be in a stable situation. Yeah. Hope sure. to be in a relationship at that point. You know, you know, maybe borderline being able to marry somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if kids are on the table. You know, I don't know if I want my kids to see, uh, you know, the future post, you know, see what it's earth is like after I'm gone. But 
Yeah. Um, you know, I just hope to be in a stable situation just in, from a general answer, you know, with, with a good career, um, you know, with a good wife, you know, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, but you know, you, I, I can't, you can't, can't be really like looking at that, you know, right, when it right, happens, right. It, when it happens, it happens. And of course, um, no, but ideally, you know, that, that'd be the situation I'd like to be in. Um, most, yeah, but will, most definitely. will I, I don't know. So. Yeah. You never know what's in front of you and you just got to plan one day at a time. I know so many people try to, you know, plan for the future and plan for this and plan for that. Like, yeah, you can look, you can look into it. You can maybe with a slight glimpse or, you know, with one eye open, but you never know what tomorrow brings. So as always guys, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. We're so sorry. We were on a little short hiatus there. Sometimes it's not easier it's not that easy to get guests when you're so busy throughout the day. And some people say yes, some people say no. It, it just really just depends on the day. But Alex came in clutch. He was an emergency pack for us. It was a great episode with him. We got a chance to talk about his career as a sports reporter, a glimpse into the Southwest Florida lifestyle of being a sports reporter. We talked about the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, and just a little, you know, positivity note of life, Alex's story, and, you know, how he deals with being a sports reporter in his daily life. We really appreciate this, guys. As always, make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Inquisitive Mamba Podcast, TikTok, the Inquisitive Mamba Pod, YouTube, the Inquisitive Mamba Podcast, Apple Podcasts, the Inquisitive Mamba, Spotify, the Inquisitive Mamba. We just hit over 1,100 plays. We're just nearing the uh, goal of 200,000 views all time with YouTube Shorts. Alex, it was a pleasure to have you on tonight's show. We really do appreciate it. You guys don't know how much, you know, this really means to me to get to record week in and week out for you guys. I do my very best. And Alex, it was a pleasure to have you on. Make sure to plug your stuff, Alex, before we do wrap up so people can follow you, know who you are, and follow you for all the sports news in Southwest Florida. Of course. Uh, you know, Twitter is MP underscore Alex Martin. Um, Instagram is Alex Martin XIII. That's Roman numerals. Um, so they're basically 13 in Roman numerals. Um, but yeah, man, Joey, it's been a pleasure being on and, you know, lots of, lots of ground covered tonight and you know, looking forward to, uh, you know, listening to this, uh, you know, when it drops. Most definitely. As always, guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's guest. I'm very excited for next week's guest. I can't announce it yet, but I'm very excited for that one. It's a very, very big guest of mine. Might be my biggest one yet. So we'll see you guys next time.